and welcome to my podcast, uh, The Future is Near. And today we will be discussing about um, healthcare, like the future of healthcare, which I would I find really interesting. And we have a special guest here today who is the Chief Medical Officer of Tuzzle, a digital healthcare company. So you want to say something about yourself? Yeah, um, look, thank you very much for having me here. I am happy to talk about all aspects of digital healthcare and the company that we, we have um, specialises in digital health and the future of medicine. So feel free to ask whatever questions you want. Yeah, fair enough. That's pretty good. So on to like the first question. I know you can like replicate um, liver tissue by 3D printing it. But will we ever get onto a stage of um, 3D printing brain tissue in any way? Like, or will it like change our personality? Okay, oh, okay. Um, 3D, you're absolutely right. There's a couple of questions all tied up on that. Uh, 3D printing in itself is really interesting uh, moving forward in medicine. Um, for example, at the minute when we're doing operations, we can 3D print uh, kidneys so that we know exactly what it looks like before we do an operation if we're going to remove a kidney or we can 3D print out what it may, uh, what we need to do. There's also, as you say, there's 3D printing of casts, for example, for arms. If you break mm. your arm, we put you in a cast that's 3D printed, much simpler to use. Um, there is also, as you say, tissue 3D printing, which is a whole other level entirely. And we yes. have started printing tissues such as uh, liver tissues. Brain tissues are more complex. Um, but yes, we are implanting brain tissue in people. So for example, really? if you have Parkinson's, yeah. So there it does are, not there like change their personality in any way. Yeah, and that, that is a question. Can you stimulate areas that have been damaged or can you implant or grow new brain tissue? And absolutely. And at the forefront of medicine, when you're right at the edge of technology, um, you just don't know exactly. And that's where you have to very rigorous, for example, testing and very rigorous uh, lab work that it means that you don't do something that's unethical or something that's mm, problematic yeah. but no question about it 3d printing is that you could do an entire podcast on 3d printing alone and the different mm, yeah. aspects of juice and medicine uh, but the brain is not we're not quite there yet but absolutely it'll be a really interesting area to look out to in the future um, and yeah is the brain like the most complex thing to 3d print because since you said you're 3D printing into like Parkinson's disease to help their brain out, does that like it does it just like affect them completely or does it sort of help their case or? Well, they're not they're not 3D printing brain cells for Parkinson's disease yet. What they're doing is they're making implant cells or they're looking oh, they're at implanting in cells, cells in the ah, area, okay. which is slightly different than 3D printing. But 3D printing allows you to create a lot of um a lot of cells. And um, what materials do you like? use for the 3d printers though because you can't just insert like a liver to 3d print again no no you're right and it's, it's not my area especially all the, the technical equipment you'd use but there's various uh, equipment you do use uh, to create all sorts of 3d it's, it's layering it goes on top of each other you first have your blueprint and then you slice it along and, and, and bring it on top doing that for tissues is more complex mm, yeah um, but it's uh yeah it's a very it's a very technical environment mm. and much more precision but all medicine is going towards precision medicine and mm. how we deliver uh, an individualized healthcare. Yeah. And 3d printing is part of that yeah just to make sure that all our diseases are like sorted out before they before they just sort of uh not die but before it affects them 
long term? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the problem with it is, could it be very expensive in that you may, and again, this is going all 3D printing, this is about precision medicine, we may be able to create a, a pill that is exactly right for you or a, mm, a drug that pretty. is exactly for you. But well, the problem is to create individualized tablets costs an awful lot of money. Yeah. As opposed to produce one tablet that you can give to millions of people. Um, yeah. To produce one-to-one tablets or one-to-one solutions to your healthcare problems is... Yeah. See, I looked into different. that and that seemed very complex because... They'd have to like analyze you and then make a digital representation of you to then test out the drug on you to see if it would have any health, um, like a health uh, benefits, but also like so it wouldn't like affect your health in a bad way, because if say they tested that drug out and it like somehow managed to erode your stomach uh, tissue or something like that, then that would not be good. So. Yeah. That's the greatest danger. I mean, you already have that with drug testing. I mean, we can see it at the minute with COVID where they're looking at vaccines and they're rolling out vaccines and they're seeing side effects of vaccines. Most uh, most medications, pharmaceutical agents, vaccines, whatever you do, even uh, prosthetic implants in, in people, they have um, they will have side effects. And so you gradually get to know those side effects. You try and get most of the worst of them out in the testing phases. But then you maybe find some out later on as you go through the, the actual rollout of the drug. I How that will work with precision medicine. The idea actually will be that you may actually reduce it to some degree if you know exactly somebody's genetics and the drug has been tailored specifically to you. It should reduce the number of side effects that it has or you will be able to predict better the side effects that are going to occur. Um, now this again, because you're, the, you're looking at the future of medicine, this is very early stages, but we will get to the point where we have a really good understanding of, what an in, of who an individual is um, in terms of their That's mental biologics and then be able to specifically, um, specifically treat them. So for example, we can do genetic testing for breast cancers at the minute. And we know exactly who's at, who's at risk of, say, of developing breast cancer and what your level of risk is. And then we can go to the person and say, look, do you want something done about it at this early stage just for you? Or we can test them for the genetics of, say, a certain, a certain type of tablet that can thin the blood. And we can test their genetics to see will it be effective or will it not be effective. Yes, so there, there's, pretty good. There's, there's a lot we can do in terms of that um, uh, in terms of medical technology and being... Uh, but we will get more and more precise with it. We will get... Mm more and more individualized but as that happens it becomes more and more expensive yeah yeah the cost would be quite a bit then because if you're looking at someone like on on an individual level then that means you have to like take time out of a doctor's day which will cost money to then analyze them and then get the test which will cost even more money and for seven billion people say you wanted to do it on for a pop like uh, the whole entire world's population then that would cost an immense amount. Well, you're perhaps, and you've perhaps strayed into another area of medicine, which is becoming increasingly interesting, is the idea of machine learning. Uh, oh, yeah, machines could do quite yeah, a bit of and it. and how you have artificial intelligence, so healthcare and AI, and what we can do through the use of big data. So big data in healthcare, and that's what my company specialises in to some degree, is that about looking at these vast amounts of data and understanding exactly what's happening in healthcare. And once you apply... Um, computer algorithms and you, you apply some machine algorithms for this to this um, then you start to be able to develop things very quickly and that you don't need a doctor sitting looking at a screen or mm, yeah. reading through lots of results 
Whereas AI you know, can just immediately pick it up and say what's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. So once you automate a process, it means that you don't have to spend as much time looking at it and you don't have the cost of all the labour yeah. um, of, of hiring an expensive doctor like me to come and look at a lot of things. So I'm limited to how many patients I can see and how much is, and resources limited to how much people can pay me to see X number of, uh, of patients and how long it takes to train me. Once you have trained an algorithm, for example, to recognise a melanoma, Somebody's yeah. skin, then it, it just it, picks it, it up immediately correct. every single time. Yeah, well, and it recognizes better than the doctor how dangerous that melanoma is. So, once ah. you can get better at doing something than the physicians and certain things, and you can do them much more quickly, and it's just a matter of running a computer program, then costs decrease for that. So yeah, <clears throat> there is a lot more, um, as well going forward in the future of medicine than just the um. And just the idea of uh, it becoming more expensive. There will be savings to be made too. And it's how that all balances out and what medicine looks like in, say, uh, 10, 20 years' time. I mean, one of the yeah. really interesting advances will Probably. be the use of nanotechnology. Um, oh, is that to insert, like, tiny yeah, yeah. um, tiny sort of nanobots into your system to yeah. try and I mean, you, discover you say, your you problems? nanobots, it could be nanoparticles from, oh, yeah. from like, pharmaceuticals and things as well. But, yeah, these the, the types of nanotechnology and how that will work. Or, indeed, one of the things you look at, Elon Musk always hits the headlines these days because he's looking oh, to yeah. plant chips into people's brains. And oh, yeah, so then they can just immediately search up something instead of having to go onto a computer. Yeah, but, I mean, in, in terms of in terms of healthcare, a lot of what we want, we would want to do is look at how you splice together biological tissue with uh, silicon-based uh, platforms or mm. computer programs. So how do you move, um, how would you be able to move a prosthetic arm? Or if somebody has a spinal injury, is there some way that we can stimulate the nerves or cause a connection to be reconnected between the legs and the back that have been uh, destroyed? Or how you can think about movement and cause a prosthetic arm or legs to move for you and help you move. But see, how would you get the nerves to, um, to stretch? Because nerves don't stretch. And uh, another thing is you can't just take a nerve out of the arm because they don't feel any pain in their arm. So then they can, um, so then they can like move their leg again, because then that means their arms not going to be able to like feel anything. Yeah, but you you wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't take a nerve out of one place and implant it in another. What you could probably again, it comes back to your original thing of growing tissue. You talked about growing liver tissue. Oh yeah, yeah. What can you do to grow nerve cells? How can you interface nerve cells? Or indeed, it might actually just be how you can read certain areas of the of the electrical signals in the brain. That then robotics can read, or, or uh, technology can uh, uh, technology can look at and see mm. exactly what it's asking the the. That's the pretty good. And then you can move an arm or do something based see, on what the signals you see in the brain. Another thing before we like run out of time, mm. is do see back on the nerve thing. Do we um create mechanical nerves? So then the uh, like you know the way uh, nerves um nerves function on electrical impulses from uh, the brain. Yeah, could we use like aluminium or some other metal to connect those nerve endings on like a really, like near, like a small, small level just to let those nerves function again instead of having a 3D print tissue? Could we just like uh, solder together stuff? Yeah, solder together. Not solder no, together, no, no, but like... no, it's, it's very sort of. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think what the. It's like some sort of film thing where you <laughs> solder something into your, your body. I mean, it won't work like that. And yeah. it's certainly not a matter of connecting aluminium or metals. There are certainly some very specialist materials you would think about using. 
Um, but uh, but um, as for the interface, that I mean, it, you would be looking more around some sort of biotechnology. So you're yeah. looking to replicate uh, the nervous system and regrow parts of a of a nervous system, um, rather than um, rather than some sort of uh, rather than some sort of yeah strange sort of I don't know steampunk type look where you've got a you know cogs <laughs> and wheels sitting there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, the, the interface of how you transmit electrical signals from and, and get something to do something else is a very interesting area of, of technology. Yeah. Um, and one that will, will move forward rapidly. That would be quite interesting. <clears throat> Though, one last thing before we finish up. Um, mm. Will we be able to test drugs on virtual human beings, like AI systems? that we test drugs out on first so that person doesn't have like an anaphylactic reaction to the drug that's being put into them? Uh, yes, is the simple answer to that. Really? That's... The idea, so that comes back to my precision medicine that I mentioned at part of the podcast where you, um, where you know exactly what somebody is made of, you know their genetics, you understand exactly what's there and you should be able to reduce the chances of them having a reaction to something if you understand their body very well. Now, it will never be 100%, it will never be foolproof. It is obviously developed as it goes along. But in yeah. the future, we would look towards being able to do something like that where we uh, can predict if you're, if, if one, a drug is going to be effective for you, um, and if it isn't, then tailor it to who you are, but also make sure it doesn't have any of the, the parts to it that would maybe cause you to have a reaction to it. Yeah, that would be quite quite some like technology you'd be going on to you'd be going on to like so it would just be that just seems out of this world healthcare is a, is a hugely uh, as a part of technology is moving forward in leaps and bounds and it's um, mixing together computer programmers experts in ai experts in um uh, in the 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 science the biology of human beings as well as clinicians and doctors who are practicing uh, how to treat patients. And it's bringing all those people together uh, to, to look at the best ways forward and to create some really interesting technology in the future. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. And uh, that has been very interesting. And I hope uh, the viewers will um, enjoy uh, the questions that I've asked you. And um, thank you for listening and have a good day.